Heavenly Father, we just come before You now. And as we approach Your Word, we just want Your help. Would You translate it for us? Would You show us the meaning of this passage, Lord? And would, just as Twig said, we not be hearers of the Word alone, but doers. Lord, move us to action by Your Spirit, not by our might or by our strength, but by Your Spirit, Lord. We come before You now. Speak, Father, Your servants are listening. Amen. Please be seated. It is awesome to be here and see so many maskless faces. I can actually see you smiling, which is, oh, it makes me so happy. I'd love to extend my welcome to you as well and to those guys online. It's amazing to have you with us. If it's your first time here tonight too, it is so great to have you. We'd love to catch up at the Connection Lounge at the end. Join us for dinner. We'd love to really get to know you. For those who don't know me, I'm in a family of three. So it's myself, my husband, Andrew, and our fur baby, Brandy. And we love this cat. Like, I didn't think it was possible to love a ball of fluff as much as I love this cat. Seriously, she is our fur baby. We carry her around like a baby. She watches movies with us. She has dinner with us. Don't tell my doctor because I'm technically allergic, but she also sleeps on our bed as well. Um, and a few weeks ago, I was woken in the middle of the night to this noise. It sounded a bit like this. Okay, you ready? And I'm lying in bed and I'm like, what is that? I honestly wasn't too worried about it. I hadn't heard it before, so I was a bit indifferent. And it kept going, and then it wasn't until the noise that followed that it clicked what was going on. It went like this. The cat had vomited all on the carpet in our bedroom. And as I'm scrubbing steaming hot cat vomit off the carpet at 4 a.m. in the morning, I kid you not, the thought crosses my mind is this. See what happens when you hear? and you don't act. That's, that's a lesson well learned, I'll tell you that. And I honestly believe that this is actually what James is telling us in our passage tonight. Let's take a look. It's James chapter 1, 19 to 27. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, and he is blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless." Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. 
We're in our third week of the series in our book of James. And if you remember a few weeks ago, Pastor Nathan preached that James was written on the half-brother of Jesus. Just take a minute to wrap your head around that one. And James didn't believe Jesus was the Son of God until after Jesus had died and was raised to life. That's when it clicked for James. And we see an incredible transformation in his life. He became a leader in the church of Jerusalem and gives us this letter now. He's speaking to these same people who've undergone the same transformation that he has. People who have been so radically transformed by God that they are described in the previous verse, in verse 18, as having received new birth, a full transformation, new life. You see, when we allow God into our lives and allow him to work in our hearts, it changes us. It doesn't just change who we are, but it changes how we act as well. And this is how James says that we are to live as people who have been transformed by God. Verse 19, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to anger. When I first read this, it was pretty jarring, especially having seen all that's happened over the last number of years. You only need to scroll through Facebook for five minutes to see the pain, the fear, and the division that our words can cause. Rather than being quick to hear and slow to speak, we loathe to listen, and we're anxious to argue. And I truly believe that we live in a time where this is the worst it's ever been because we can hide behind a screen. Words that we'd never say to someone's face are all too easy to write online or send in a message. But as people who say we have been changed by God's love, we are to stand apart and love one another by listening, being quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Proverbs 18.21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death. Your words have the power to speak life or death over a person. Choose wisely. But even more powerful is your ability to listen. In the newsletter this week, we saw Chaplain Stuart Beveridge with a Samaritan's Purse. He has been mobilised as part of the flood response and he shared with us. He said, how do you care for a friend, colleague or peer when crisis upends their world? As Christ followers, we bring redeeming hope into these events so that compassion and care are powerful aids to recover. He continues, so listen. Let the hurting person tell their story, share their thoughts and feelings so that trust is built and steps to recovery can be mapped out together. Listening brings change not only in the lives of those around us, but in our lives as well. When we have a look in verse 21, it says that when we are finally quiet and listening, then we can receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. The message version says it a bit like this. In simple humility, let our gardener God landscape you with the word, making a salvation garden out of your life. When we let the word, or rather God's message of love through his son, Jesus Christ, When we let this, like a seed, take root in our heart, it matures and grows and brings fruit in the form of action, as we see in verses 22 and 25. 
but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. I was pretty heavily convicted by these verses this week. On, on Monday, I'd set aside the whole day to sermon prep. I'd planned it perfectly, organized my study, my schedule, everything. And I'd done all my research so I was ready. And I knelt down to pray and I said, God, would you just reveal this passage to me in a new way? Would you show me your meaning for this, Lord? Show me what you want me to tell your people. Lord, just speak. And while I was praying, my phone next to me started buzzing. And I was, I was good, you know, no, don't check it. Stay strong, be good, be a good Christian. And so I finished my prayer and I picked up my phone and it was a message from one of the young adult women. And she said, a team of us are going to the caravan park to help those who'd been trapped by the floods. They were coming back to see what was left and the damage that the floods have left. And my first thought, my first thought was, I can't, I'm sermon prepping. I'm so glad that God isn't subtle. He was like, are you serious, Tamara? Are you serious? Did you even hear what you were praying? You asked me to reveal what this passage means and I am showing you. So after a good lashing from the Holy Spirit, um, as you do, I am very thankful to say I did close my laptop and I went down to the caravan park. And it was there that I saw these people that James is talking about. People who are doers of the word and not hearers alone. I saw people scrubbing the floors of caravans of people they'd never met before. I saw them clearing out waterlogged cupboards, sweeping black water out of caravans. I saw them taking complete strangers to the shops to buy clothes because they had nothing left. It was here that I saw the doers of the word, but it was also here that I saw the need. I saw how desperately God needs us to be his hands and his feet. How desperately he needs us, not just to sit in a church service and hear the word, but to go out and do it. Because his children are out there. His children whom he loves so incredibly much are out there and they desperately need us to help and love them. In verse 23, James uses a beautiful analogy of a mirror. You know, you go to a mirror to fix something. Guys, you've got your, your gel going on, getting that ready. Girls, you're touching up your makeup. We go to a mirror with intentionality and purpose. We go to check our reflections and fix something. And James is saying that going to a mirror only to completely forget what you look like is worthless. It's like hearing God's word, hearing sermons and messages and doing nothing. There is no point to us going to a church service and hearing a message to then leave and nothing has changed. And not only that, but he says when we do this, we're deceiving ourselves. 
We think that because we go to a church service or, oh, I went to Connect this week and I watched a podcast and, oh, I did a really good Bible study. We think these things make us good people or good Christians. But that's not the case at all. James makes it very clear that our faith is in fact empty. If we are not acting on what we're hearing, we're just letting the cat vomit all over the carpet again. But James says, the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Usually when we think of the law, we think of a set of rules that are condemning and restrictive. But the law of liberty that James is talking about is the law in light of Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of that law. Romans chapter 8, 1 to 2 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. At one time, looking at ourselves in the mirror of the law highlighted our flaws and our failings. It condemned us. It seemed like a set of rules we could never hope to attain. But now that Jesus has fulfilled the law for us, we can live in freedom, in a relationship with God, no longer being separated from him by our shortcomings, but instead experiencing the fullness of life as God designed it. And if we continue to pursue God, if we continue to persevere towards him, slowly but surely, God transforms us into be image bearers. To use our mirror analogy, we come to reflect God's image as doers of the word. Being obedient to God and what he calls us to won't always be easy though. There will be sacrifice. But when we act, when we do what he asks, we quickly discover that God's plan is far greater than our plan. Far more fulfilling, far more joyful than we ever could have expected, hoped for, or planned for. And that is the blessing that James talks about in our passage. But you see, there's more to just doing things, as James elaborates. He says, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained by the world. James warns us that we deceive our hearts when we think that doing good deeds makes us a good person. We fool ourselves that our actions make us good Christians when in fact we're actually spiritually dead because we do it out of obligation or spiritual morality. Our hearts are empty. Instead of doing things as an outpouring of love for God, whoever truly loves God out of that great love for him, they will love his people. They will love the orphans. They will love the widows, the homeless, and the vulnerable. This is what God sees as pure religion pure faith, faith in action. There was a story of a missionary in Ukraine. He shares about this very thing. He says, I've been traveling into the city each day to collect supplies and people wanting to leave. 
A friend of mine travels in conjunction with me, traveling further north and bringing people to where I am in the south. Today, we again took off in the same directions as yesterday. At about 10 a.m., I received the news that his car had been hit. He had been fired upon, and that was the only information that I had. Tears immediately welled in my eyes. I quietly prayed as I stood in line at the petrol station, hoping for the best, but realizing that my good friend, who I have known for 14 years, may have just gone to be with the Lord. It is a bittersweet feeling. I knew he would be rejoicing, being welcomed the son of a king, yet I would feel the loss. We stopped at some shops first to try and restock our food supplies, and I got some fantastic information. My friend was alive. His car was badly damaged and he was unable to drive it, but he was alive and unhurt. It was a complete miracle. And the passengers were also alive, praise God. Many of you are asking, what is happening on the ground where you are? And what are the things you're involved in? While these questions are important and get the information out there about what is going on, it's not the most important question. More important than the what is the why. What is the reason? What is the motive behind what we are doing? Motive is so important. When Jesus came to earth, he tried to get people to focus on their motives. So many times he said in a parable or sermon that what was important was not what people were doing, but why? What was their motive? Was it to gain glory for themselves? Was it to gain approval? Two people can do the same thing with completely different motives, and it changes everything according to Jesus. We are not doing the things we are doing for approval, recognition, or acceptance. We're not trying to gain favor with God, nor do we believe that by doing these things, we'll have a greater chance he'll let us into heaven. No, I know that when I die, I'll go to be with my Savior, not because of anything I've done, but because of what Jesus did for me and you. None of what I do here on earth will have any sway as to whether I'll get into heaven or not. Jesus said that it is only through faith in him that we get into heaven. Doing good things just doesn't cut it. There is no amount of good deeds that we can do here on earth to merit entrance into heaven. Nothing. No service, no giving, no sacrifice will ever be enough. Faith is all we need. Faith in Jesus Christ. When you really believe, when your faith is real, when you really want to live your life to honor and obey God, that's when your motives begin to change. God begins to change you from the inside out. He begins to change your heart and your motives. What a powerful testimony. In the midst of everything that's going over there, they're still glorifying God. There are two things that James says people wants that, sorry, that God, James says God wants from the people who follow him. One is that we live out and are obedient to his word. And the second is that we remain set apart from the world. In the video series we're following in our connect groups, Francis Chan gives a statistic in America that if one in every second church in America adopted a child, there would be no more orphans in America. And I did some research about what that would mean for us here in Australia. You see, there are around 12 million people in Australia who call themselves Christians. 
And if one in every 300 people, one in 300 Christians adopted a child, every orphan in Australia would have a home. Every orphan would have a family. I don't know about you, but I think that's just heartbreaking. God doesn't just tell us to care for the orphans because it sounds like a good thing to do. It's our responsibility to love his people. He commands it. In Psalm 68 verse five, God is called the father to the fatherless and protector of widows. God will never ask you to do something he hasn't already done. And you don't even need to look very far to see where God needs you to be his hands and feet. Over the last weeks, we have witnessed the suffering and the tragedy of the people in Ukraine. We've seen lives lost and houses destroyed in floods in our very own city. People within walking distance of this building have lost everything they own. That person beside you, they're really desperately in need of your love. And that guy behind you, he's just started attending church, needs your help. They need a supportive community. Maybe it's as simple as grabbing a hamper bag and filling it with food just to give to someone in need in our community. You are so desperately, desperately needed. The second thing that James says God sees as pure faith is to remain unstained from the world. That is to remain steadfast in his word and his truth, not being swayed by what the world wants you to do or conform to their ways, but rather remaining set apart and obedient to God's design for his creation. The church must remain distinct from the world, but so often we become indistinguishable because we're not expressing a pure religion that is pleasing to God. You see, faith isn't meant to be easy. It's not meant to be convenient. It's not even meant to be stylish or successful in the eyes of the world. True faith, pure faith, requires getting your hands dirty. It requires journeying with people in the mess of their lives. It requires sweeping black water out of a caravan in Queensland heat, sitting next to someone as they sort through everything they've lost in the floods. If you remember nothing else from tonight, remember this. This is the core message that James is giving us. First, we must listen. And only when we listen can we receive God's word. And when the word is planted in our hearts, it brings about change. It moves us to action. Not out of obligation, not out of a sense of morality, but rather out of a deep love for God that only a changed heart can bring. So how do we respond to this? You see, the absolute tragedy and the heartbreaking irony is that there's gonna be people listening here today, online and in this room. They'll hear this and they'll go, oh, that's awesome, I love it, amen. But then they'll walk out the doors or they'll turn off their devices and nothing will change. And James gives us a really stern warning when we do this. He says, you are fooling yourselves. You're deceiving yourselves. Our religion is worthless. As I invite the band back up, I wanna leave you with a challenge. 
When you get home tonight, take a look in the mirror. Not a glance, but a good look. Look at who you truly are. And then I could ask you, you know, oh, what are you doing? Where are you serving? But you see, that's actually missing the point entirely. What I actually want to ask you is this. Have you truly encountered and been transformed by the living God? And if so, is your life reflecting this? And if the answer is no, I want you to know there is no condemnation or shame in that. There's only grace and love. We see in Romans 5, 8, it says, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Realizing that your life doesn't match what you believe is the first step towards allowing God to reveal the new life, the new birth that he wants for you. And the second is just asking God that he would work in your heart, that his life-giving word would be implanted in your heart, that it would take root and grow to bear fruit in your life. And we want to help you with this. This is not something that is meant to be done alone. We want to journey with you and pray with you and support you. And I want to give you that opportunity tonight. When we sing the next song, please feel free to come down the front. We want to pray with you. There'll be people up the back at the end of the service as well, ready to support you and pray with you. We want to pray too that you would remain unstained from the world that you would be set apart as a light in your workplaces, in your study, your families, your schools, your friends. And that tonight you wouldn't be afraid to look in that mirror. And you wouldn't be afraid that God would reveal in our lives what needs to be fixed. In the areas in our lives where we need to be acting out his word and not just hearing it. Would you pray with me now? Lord, we just come before you now. You see us as we are. You see our flaws and our brokenness. You see it covered by the blood of Christ. Father, we want to change in our lives. We want to change in our hearts and we just ask that you would be near to us. Father, come into our hearts. Bring about new birth, new life, we pray. Give us the courage to seek that out, to seek out your will, your design, and your purpose, Father. We want to live completely for you, wholly for you. Doers of the word and not hearers, Lord. And we know that in your plan, there is far more blessing and joy than in our own. So Lord, would you bring change tonight? Work over us. Spirit speak, Spirit change our lives. Would this be a chance to draw a line in the sand, a new beginning, Father? We commit our lives to you afresh. Amen. We're now going to sing a song called Heart of God. It's all about seeking God's heart. Let's stand and worship together now.
tonight is just experiencing encountering your heart an encounter with you that that changes everything and there may even be some here in this moment that they said oh I've been to church my entire life but there's a difference between attending church and encounter with the Father And what you want from us is a heart of humility. A heart of humility to say, stop trying to do this in your own strength. You cannot do it. You need me. This is your heart towards us. And there's some that have tried and failed and tried and failed and tried to do good works and failed and got tired and burnt out. And this isn't what it is. This isn't religion, this is relationship. And when you come and you touch our hearts in such a way, it's not trying. It's not about doing good works. It's it's, it's about an overflow of our heart in such a way that we can't help it, but we must act. And we respond to You, we respond to Your love, we respond to Your kindness and Your grace and Your mercy. And what we need is an encounter with You, a fresh encounter with You, Holy Spirit, that You might come and touch our hearts and touch our lives in such a way that we will never be the same again. We can't be the same again. That we, we just have to respond, we just have to act. We have to be more than hearers of the Word, but doers of the Word. That's why we need You, Holy Spirit. That's why we need You, God. And in this moment, there just needs to be a response of surrender. There needs to be a response of God, I need You. And I just invite you in this moment with your palms open in front, if you're willing to do this, if you wanna do this, don't do it if you feel like you have to, please don't do it. But if there's something inside of you that says, come Holy Spirit, I've tried, I've tried and I've tried. I need You. And in that response, He sees your heart and He sees your hands and He says, just just come to me, come to me. The promise of God is draw near to me and I will draw near to You. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, as we sing, as we worship, as we praise one more time, that You just touch us afresh, Holy Spirit. We invite You to come. Touch our hearts afresh, oh God. Touch our hearts afresh, oh God. We need You, Lord. We need You, Lord. We don't wanna be hearers, we wanna be doers. We wanna be empowered by You, Holy Spirit. Empowered by You, Holy Spirit. Move in our hearts, we cry. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Let's sing, Lord, to Jesus.
church sing that out. your opportunity to talk to him God this this can't be about us and actually in this moment we just repent because there's been moments where we've made it about us. Oh my goodness, forgive us, Lord. What were we thinking? We let our pride get in the way. And we just repent. And we just say, forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for making it about us like we're gonna achieve something for you. Oh my goodness. What were we thinking? This isn't about us. We must become less. You must become greater. That's the prayer. That's the cry of our heart. We must become smaller. You must become greater. And so Lord, just forgive us for making it about us. Forgive us for thinking that it's about us. It's not. It's all about You. That You might be magnified, that You might be glorified and that we would simply be vessels in Your hand as we humble ourselves and say, God, we're available, but but not for a second is it about us. We're just available to be used by You and that's the cry of our heart tonight. Protect us from going out in our own flesh and strength and saying, we're gonna go and achieve something for You. It's powerless and it's fruitless. But when you grab hold of our lives, there's power and there's fruit that flows. And that's what it's about, great God. And so we just say, sorry, we're so sorry. We apologise and we need to repent and turn away from doing it in our own strength and flesh. And we just turn to you and say, God, we're available, use our lives. And we are so sorry for making it about us. We want You to be magnified. We want Your Kingdom to be glorified, great God. And we want to see the presence of what You wanna do in and through us, through us and beyond, great God, is our prayer and our cry. So we thank You, Lord, that it's it's not about us. We thank You that it's not about our strength or our ability. It's about You and the power of You, Holy Spirit, working in us and through us. And we wanna see what You're gonna do, not what we're gonna do. We wanna see what You're gonna do, great God. This is the cry and the prayer of our heart what You are gonna do. That's the cry of our heart. So we thank You for these holy moments, these moments of just surrender, these moments of power as You just come and speak into our lives, great God. We don't wanna miss these moments. We wanna experience more of these moments, we pray. We thank You, Lord. We love You. 
And I just pray you'd mobilise us now. Whatever we're doing this week, wherever we're going, wherever you've called us to, whatever we're involved in, that you would use us now, that you would use us as we surrender to you, oh God. We love you, Lord. We worship you and we honour you. And we just pray we'll worship you with our lives. In Jesus' mighty Name, Amen. So good to have you here tonight. I wanna say this, uh, just acknowledge this again. If you want prayer, don't uh, miss the opportunity to be prayed for. Just come down the front, just come down the front straight away afterwards. We would love to pray for you, it's very important. Um, but I really do pray that you, God would use you this week, whatever you're doing, wherever you are, that He would really use you this week. And um, God bless you, have an awesome week and we'll see you soon. But don't miss that opportunity for prayer. We'd love to pray for you.